Yo, what's going on people? Back with another podcast. I know it's been a long time, but welcome back to Top Notch Sports. It's been a very, very long time since I made one of these, so I wanted to get back, uh, keep y'all updated with everything that's going on, man. So, happy to be back, happy to uh, get back to discussing these sports, man, discussing these topics. So today, what I got, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit, I'm going to recap uh, my thoughts on Pacquiao versus Thurman. Uh, I got some UFC news for y'all. Uh, I'm going to recap uh, Stipe versus DC, Khabib versus Poirier. And uh, I'm going to give y'all some um, some update on the NFL season this year, as well as uh, Spence versus Portland. Um, that showdown this weekend, September 28th, for the IBF and the WBC title. Uh, big clash. And uh, we're going to get right into it, man. First off with the recap of Pacquiao versus Thurman, man. From my thoughts of Pacquiao versus Thurman, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody knows uh, Pacquiao defeated Keith Thurman uh, in their unification fight for the WBA titles. Uh, 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao, man, turned back the clock. He turned back he, he, he turned back that clock against Thurman. He looked real good in the first half of the uh, fight. Um, he controlled, you know what I'm saying? He was controlling the ring. He was putting Thurman on his back foot. He got a knockdown in the first round. Um... He looked like a young Manny Pacquiao. Uh, the speed was there. The quickness was there. The hand speed was there. And, of course, uh, you know, that knockdown, I think, kind of shook Thurman up. I believe it shook him up. Uh, but in the second half of the fight, I think Manny did kind of slow down a bit because he had a real quick pace in that first half, of the, uh, first half of the fight from 1 through 6, 1 through 7. But you can kind of see what Thurman was having his moments. Um... Thurman was having his moments in the second half of the fight. He was getting some good, clean shots in him, you know what I'm saying, himself. But in the end, it wasn't enough. Uh, Manny Pacquiao showed the experience, beats youth in this matchup. Uh, 61 victories, well, now 62, now that he's uh, beating Keith. And now is what's next for Manny Pacquiao, what's next for Keith Thurman. Uh, recently just found out that Thurman had surgery on his left hand, which will, you know, put him out for the... For the rest of 2019, he's looking to, you know what I'm saying, come back in May or June of 2020. And for Keith, man, I know it's, you know, I know it's probably tough dealing with all these injuries, but will we see Keith Thurman the way he was before? You know, when he was fighting Sean Porter, he was fighting Danny Garcia, uh, and, you know, he was beating these guys. Don't know if we'll see that, you know, that version of one-time Keith Thurman ever again with all these injuries, with the elbow, both hands. I mean, who know? And who knows how he'll do against top competition now, uh, whenever he gets back. But Manny Pacquiao looked phenomenal in that fight. Uh, great victory for Manny. Uh, who knows what's next for Manny? We know the one out of Spence versus Porter wants Manny Pacquiao. Who knows if Manny is going to take that fight? Uh, we 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 all know who Manny Pacquiao is. He doesn't shy away from any fight. He doesn't back down from any fight. So we'll see. Uh, we still got Denny Garcia out there who's looking, you know, to get a title fight soon. Mikey is staying at 47. You still got Ugas, so it's some fights to be made at 47 still. Uh, I think we'll have a clear picture, of course, after this fight this weekend. We still got Bud Crawford out there as well. But with somebody, you know, walking away victorious this weekend, the number of champions, you know, it's... It's getting slim. It's getting very slim with the number of champions. So now 
this sets up more unification fights to be made. But next on the list, man, like I said, man, I'm going to uh, do some UFC recaps. Stipe defeated Daniel Cormier <clears throat> a few months back uh, to regain his heavyweight title back. It's uh, DC's first loss at heavyweight. And my take on the fight, man, I think uh, it was good back and forth action. Because we all know in that first fight, it was a little back and forth action in the first round. But DC ended it quick. You know, he got Stipe out of there. And this time... Uh, Stipe was taking the shots a little bit uh, better, you know. Uh, I didn't like the fact that he was just standing there and, and 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 trading with DC, you know, not really taking his head off the center line. He was eating some some big shots, but you know, he started to give some back as well. Uh, DC looked good, man. You know, DC always looked good, but Stipe made the best adjustment of the fight, which was start to you know dig to the body. He started to dig to the body of DC. With a hard left hook. He kept going with the hard left hook, hard left hook, and eventually it's still up for him to come over the top and hurt DC uh with the right hand and uh finish the fight in the fourth round. Uh I think if that fight would have went the distance, I would have you know leaned more towards DC winning that fight. But man, Stipe made a great adjustment of going to the body. Changed the whole outlook of the fight because that left hook to the body quickly started to slow DC down, stop him in his tracks. And once, you know, once Stipe got the, you know, once he got Daniel's attention with that left hook, it opened up the right hand over the top, landed clean and flush, wobble DC, and, you know, he followed up. You know, Stipe, in my opinion, is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. He's got the most high defenses. Uh, this win over DC really kind of puts a stamp on that. But what I'm hearing is that, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, we had questions going into, you know, if, DC was going to retire before signing the rematch with Stipe. Now DC is saying that uh, they're looking towards a trilogy fight with Stipe. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, DC uh, is planning to retire after this fight. So don't know when that fight will get signed. We, you know, who knows? We'll probably get some news uh, within the next few months. But that is DC's plan. Fight Stipe one last time to uh, finish the trilogy and call it a career. Uh, but next, we all know that West Coast Gangster came back at a UFC event, fought Anthony Pettis. Nate Diaz defeated Pettis, in my opinion. You know, I, I did pick Pettis to win. This is Nate Diaz's first fight since the rematch with Conor McGregor back in 2016. But Nate looked very, very good in this uh, fight. Uh, this fight took place at welterweight at 170 pounds. In my opinion, man, he dominated uh, Anthony. You know, he put the pressure on him. He landed some shots. He even, I mean... Nate looked like a complete fighter in a way. You know, uh, Nate looked very, very good against Pettis, who had, you know, he's coming off a knockout win against Wonderboy in his first welterweight fight. So, you know, props to Nate Diaz. Uh, I loved his call-out at the end of the fight, you know, calling out game bread Jorge Masvidal, who's coming off that quick knockout win over Ben Askren. Uh, so they are signed to fight in November. Madison Square Garden, it will be the main event. And uh, I don't think a lot of people expected this to happen because we were expecting uh, a Kamaro Usman, Kobe Covington, what's weight title fight in New York. But, you know, these two guys, they have the what's weight division on hold up. Uh, Usman and Covington, they're asking for money and, you know, things like that, which is understandable. But at, at this point, you guys call yourselves the champions of the division. You got to defend that you know what I'm saying? You have to defend your belt. 
uh, the talks with Usman and Covington fell apart. So Dana White and those guys were try, you know, they tried to get Usman to fight Game Bread Masada. He asked for more money. Those, you know, what I'm saying those talks immediately fell apart. Um, Usman has to understand, man, you're not a big star yet. You know, this is your first title defense. You're asking for, you know, more money. Uh, it's not like you're Khabib and, you know what I'm saying, you're smashing people. Uh, you're dominating guys. You get them out of there. I mean, you're not Khabib. You're not John Jones. You're not Robert Whitaker. You're not Henry Cejudo, Max Holloway. You're not these great champions that have title defenses under their belt to ask for, you know, more money. I mean, dude, you're fighting the MSG. I mean, that's where everybody wants to fight at least once in their career. So I think it's crazy that these guys are asking for more, you know, for more money. But the fans get a very, very entertaining fight with Diaz versus Masvidal for the BMF belt, the baddest mother. I ain't even go, you know, complete that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a great fight for fans. That card I'm hearing is going to be stacked. It's going to be a great card. So look out for that in November, uh, Diaz versus Masvidal. Um, and as I stated earlier about Khabib, dominated Dustin Poirier uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Poirier, in my opinion, was probably the next toughest guy up for Khabib besides Tony Ferguson. But uh, Khabib did the same, man. Uh, he got out there. He got after Dustin, put the pressure on him. And, man, Khabib's style, his wrestling style is different from any other wrestler in the game. And he competes with, you know what I'm saying, he, he, he trains with some great wrestlers, DC, uh, Cain Velasquez, all these guys at AKA. And, I mean, it's great wrestlers in the UFC period. Henry Cejudo is a gold medalist. Uh, Usman is a great wrestler. Tyron Woodley is a great wrestler. Uh, John Jones is a great wrestler. But Khabib's wrestling game is so difficult to deal with because of the fact he has great speed on entries, uh, his control. I mean, it's literally like a, you know, I've heard it's literally like having a bear laying on you and beating you down. When he says he's going to maul you, he plans on mauling you. So um, I could tell that Dustin was so worried about the takedown. Uh, you know, he didn't really throw his hands like we've seen in his last few fights against, you know, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, um, against his fight with Gaethje. He was so worried about that shot, and Khabib kept him on, you know, those outside lines of the ring, uh, of the cage, and, man, you know, Khabib did his thing, got the, uh, choke, I believe, in round three, and, um, that's all she wrote, so, hopefully we can get maybe the fifth time, it's crazy that, you know, they've tried to book this fight five times, but maybe the fifth time is a charm to get Khabib versus Tony Ferguson, I, I think Tony Ferguson is long overdue over title shot, he was an interim champion, uh, he was an interim champion, I believe, a year or two ago, um, they stripped him of the belt due to injury. So I'm pretty sure that he wants that, you know, wants that fight, wants that belt. He's calling Khabib out, I think, uh, maybe late 2019, early 2020, we can get that fight. Uh, I think it's the biggest fight besides a rematch of Khabib and Connor. I think that's the biggest fight in the lightweight division right now. But on to the NFL. Uh, right now, the undefeated teams, uh, I believe, are the Cowboys, the Patriots, uh, the Chiefs. The Rams, the 49ers, and the Packers, they're all looking well. Um, I'm also throwing the Ravens and the Saints. They're looking pretty good, you know, sitting at 2-1. and one. Uh, Man, Dallas, I hate to say this because, I mean, I, I, I stay in Dallas. I live in Dallas. 
I'm from Dallas. I'm not a, I'm not a big Cowboys fan, but you know, throughout these first three three games, they have looked good. Uh, I would like to see them against bigger competition, even even with the Saints without Drew Brees. I think that's a good a good matchup for them next week because the Saints have you know a solid defense. Uh, Bridgewater looked kind of comfortable this past week. We'll see if he can you know still be comfortable against the Cowboys defense. But uh, Dak has looked good. I've always criticized Dak for you know not taking risks when it came down to throwing the ball. He's looked good this uh these first three weeks. He's throwing the ball you know past 10, 15, 20 yards. You know he's looking more like a NFL quarterback and not you know that check down quarterback as I classify him to be before. You know scared to take risks. Um, he's doing that now and he's doing it at a high rate. And he's you know he's being successful with it. So hats off to the Cowboys. They're looking real real good, man. Of course. We all we all know Tom Brady and the Patriots are gonna look good regardless, you know. Uh Brady them three and whitewashing, tearing through everybody through these first three weeks. Um, not much to say about Tom Brady and man, you know, those boys go dominate regardless. The Chiefs, same thing about them. Um, they've they've looked good these first three weeks. Good game against my Ravens uh this past week. Sad to say that we did lose that game, but it was a very, very entertaining game. Uh, Pat Mahomes and Lamar, most definitely the future, the future uh, of football. They look great. They look great this past week. Um, the Rams, of course, same thing. They look great. Defense look uh, looking pretty good. I can't say that. You know, I can't say too much about the secondary. Secondary looks a little shaky, but of course, you know, the front line led by Aaron Donald. Those boys are gonna do their job. They're gonna do their job regardless. Um. Ty Gurley, Gurley's not looking the same, man. I think he's still having issues with that knee. Um, everybody knows he's not getting the same touches or anything like that. Uh, it's tough to see Gurley playing the way that he's playing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to see him get back to full 100%. I would love to see that. But as far as I'm concerned, the Rams still looking good. 49ers looking well. You know, Packers are looking good as well. Um... But I'm going to end this first segment, man. I thank y'all for, you know, tuning in with me for this first segment. I'm going to get the second segment going, finishing out this um, NFL topic, and then we'll get into uh, Spence versus Portland. So be sure to tune in to this second half of the podcast, man. Right now, let's you know continue with this second segment. I thank y'all for joining back with me, man. But uh, and like I was saying with the NFL, man. Uh, right now, uh, I think the biggest story besides you know teams being successful is uh the whole Antonio Brown thing, man. Uh, he got traded from Pittsburgh. Well, no, I take that back. Excuse me. He signed with the uh, Raiders, I believe. Uh, you know they get him some guaranteed money, and. I mean, A.B. basically just went over there and acted a fool, you know. He acted a fool over there, uh, getting into it with the GM and things like that. The whole situation with the helmet and all this stuff was just a whole bunch of mess, man. And, you know, in my opinion, I like Antonio Brown. I, like, I, I love his game. He's a top five receiver, but he was acting, you know, the way he acts is unacceptable as a professional. <clears throat> so he did all that, you know, just to eventually get cut you know, from the Raiders. The Raiders had 
let him know basically you're gonna get paid week to week you know your guaranteed money is out the window with the way that you've been acting you know it's good now that you apologize for what you said which i do believe he threatened the uh gm of the raiders yeah you know it's good that you apologize because they threatened to you know sit him down week one they agreed to let him play week one but you know like i said it's still consequences for your actions man and uh <clears throat> that happened he didn't want to play uh because he didn't have guaranteed money off his contract and the Raiders let him go. They let him go. Uh and that led to um that led to them letting him go and I believe the uh the Patriots picked him up. New England picked him up. I'm sorry, y'all, I was doing something off my phone if I sound a little crazy. But Patriots ended up uh picking him up, which I predicted. I, I felt like uh New England was gonna get him anyway. So now it's like, okay, you did all this just to get basically to the best team in the league. Uh, now these allegations come out about AB uh, sexually harassing women. First woman come out, uh, and within like the next week, a second woman came out. He did, you know, he was able to play a game with the Patriots against the Dolphins, I believe. I think he had like four catches for like 56 yards and a touchdown. But uh, after the second allegation came out, the Patriots recently, you know, they they recently just cut him. So. Um, from what he said on Twitter, basically saying, you know, I'm done with the NFL, man. You know, these GMs do whatever they want. And all this, you know, AB basically is, I don't know if it's temporary retirement. I don't know if it's retirement for the rest of his career. But he doesn't, you know, he's not interested in playing in the league. I know some teams interested in still signing AB, which is, you know, it's a credit to who he is as a player, but not who he is as a person. AB, I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, he needs to get this, you know, this sexual harassment, these cases, these two cases with these two women, he needs to get that, you know, settled, you know, clear that off, clear that out, and then, you know, look to come back. But also, man, do some soul searching, because AB, you know, I've, 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 I never expected him to be acting the way that he is. Uh, I mean, because the dude's a great talent. He can play. But he's a locker room issue. Uh, he was a locker room issue in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh put up with it for a while until it's like, okay, we can't do it no more. They let him go. Uh, now you go to Oakland, who's willing to, you know, deal with your attitude and all this. And it's like, nah, we can't do it. We're not putting up with it. New England is no nonsense. So you know not to go over there with that. And I don't think he did. You know, I, I don't think he had the mindset of doing that. But... These allegations come out, and it's like, nah, you can't be here with that. Uh, you can't be in New England with that. So, who knows what's next for Antonio Brown? I did hear that he uh, he's going back to uh, college, which is good. Uh, but as far as his NFL career, we'll have to see. Uh, no Drew Brees for the next, I believe, three or four more weeks, uh, maybe five. Uh, I believe he tore some ligaments in his thumb against the Rams. Like I said before, uh, Teddy Bridgewater did look good this past week with the Saints. Who knows if they can keep it going, if they can, you know, hold things together while Breeze is, you know, recovering. We all know um, the Saints need Breeze to uh, win. They need Breeze to win. So uh, who knows how they'll do the next four to five weeks or however long Breeze uh, will remain out. Uh, the Steelers, man, the Steelers – 
looking kind of tough for them, man. Uh, of course, they lost Antonio. They lost Le'Veon. They drafted Devin Bush, which was good. Uh, they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, which is great. But you lose your starting quarterback, Big Ben's out for the rest of the season. Uh, I believe it was elbow surgery. It was elbow surgery. But, man, who knows what's going to be next for Pittsburgh. They fall to 0-3. It's still a long season ahead, but, you know, at this point, can they get some wins together? The way it looked week one was tough against New England. I mean, Juju, you are now the number one receiver over there, so now you're going to get number one receiver attention. I mean, the game plan that New England had for them was spectacular. They shut them down. I mean, they, they shut them down, shut them out. I don't believe they scored a touchdown. It was just a field goal, but we'll see. Uh, same thing about the Cowboys. Like I said, they look phenomenal within these three weeks. I want to see them against some real tough competition, though. Some real competition. Uh, I believe what the Giants, Redskins, Dolphins these first two weeks. Come on now. We all know. You know, those not real big-time teams, but still. 3-0 and speaks for itself. They looking good. I want to see if they can hold it up as well because one thing that I'm a firm believer in is once, when you start expecting things from, from the Dallas Cowboys, that's when, you know, they disappoint people. They they disappoint their fans. When you start expecting things from the Dallas Cowboys, you know, those expectations is what kill them. You expect them to do this. You expect them to, you know, beat this team. And, you know, sometimes they go out there and do the opposite. So we'll see. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about, as far as the NFL, you know, how good can Lamar Jackson be? I am a Baltimore Ravens fan. Uh, I am a Lamar Jackson fan, and the way Lamar has looked has been much better than what he, you know, looked like his rookie year into the playoffs. Uh, he looks like a much better thrower, uh, much better passer. Uh, some of the, you know, passes that he's making within these first three weeks are on point uh, this past week against the Chiefs. Um, some of the ball, you know what I'm saying, some of the balls he threw were maybe overthrown. I think he, I think he overthrew uh, Hollywood Brown maybe two or three times. I know he overthrew Mark Andrews a few times too, but other than that, you know, the Chiefs defense is no slouch. They don't have the best defense, but they have a pretty good defense. Uh, they made it a little rough for him at other times, but throughout these first three weeks, he's looked much better than what he did last year. Uh, what, you know, people's classifying, classifying Lamar as just a running back who can, you know, occasionally throw the ball. You know, I'm seeing the development and the work that he's put in in the offseason throughout these first three weeks. And in my opinion, I want to see if he can hold it up when he starts seeing you no know, tougher teams as well. The Chiefs was his first test. Uh, of course, he lost the game, but he didn't look bad. Um, I want to see him, of course, against teams like New England, uh, the Colts, the Chargers again. I would love to see him against the Chiefs again. Those are, you know, Pittsburgh. I want to see him, you know, really shine in these games. So my question is, can he keep up this this style of play, you know? Can he keep up this? Basically, what I'm saying is, can Lamar be consistent with this style of play right now? Because he's looking very, very good. So, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, lastly, I saved this for last. Be sure to tune in this weekend, man. Spence versus Porter, September 28th. It's a unification bout here at, um, here in the 147-pound division. IBF world champion Earl Spence Jr. taking on the WBC world champion Sean Porter. This is a big fight for boxing is a big fight for that world division. 
because it's gonna answer a lot of questions. It's gonna answer a lot of questions. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Um, with this fight, whoever comes out the winner, of course, as I stated before, they want Pacquiao. They want to take Pacquiao out. It makes perfect sense because when you look at it, whoever walks away victorious, which I predicted will be Earl Spence, would be the IBF and the WBC champion. The only other two champions in the Waterway division would be Terrence Bud Crawford, who holds the WBO belt, and Manny Pacquiao, who holds the WBA belt. It makes more sense to book a fight with Pacquiao before booking a fight with Bud because, I mean, you all you guys are under PBC. Terrence Crawford is the only one that's not. You know, he signed with top rank. So, it's a chance that fight could happen. It's a chance that fight could not happen. But it makes sense to get Manny Pacquiao, get that belt, then try to go after Terrence Crawford's WBO belt. Makes perfect sense. If that fight cannot happen, I'm going to go ahead and get this out the way now because I do pre I do predict Spence to win. If that fight does not happen with um, Bud Crawford, Spence still has some fights to make. He can, you know, he can still, you know, scratch Keith Thurman off the list if he wants to fight Thurman. He can still get Danny Garcia out of there if he uh, wants to fight Danny Garcia, uh, and maybe somebody else. I know Spence wants to clear out the division, move up to 54 or 60. Uh, that's his plan from what I've heard. But on to the fight, man. My breakdown of the fight. I do believe Earl can knock out Sean Porter. A lot of people thinking, you know, Sean is... I mean, we all know Sean's tough. He's never been knocked out. Um, he's never been stopped, but I think uh, Earl Spence is the man to do it. Um, he got criticized for his last fight uh, by Sean Porter. Uh, his last fight was against Mikey Garcia. You know, a dominant 12-round unanimous decision uh, victory over Mikey, who came up two-way classes to fight Earl. Well, a lot of people felt like, you know, he should have knocked Mikey out, but of course you had some people that were saying, oh, he can't outbox Mikey, so he has to come forward and, you know, basically be basically be the bully. And I think what Earl showed, uh, he showed everybody, okay, y'all say I can't outbox him, I'm finna outbox him. And he did that. 12 rounds. Mikey did a very good job of uh, surviving. He did, a, you know, a very good job of staying in there, but all in all, man, um, I, I believe Mikey Doug, Mikey won't take the risk that Sean Porter will take in a fight with Spence, which I believe those those risks that Sean will take uh, will maybe set him up to be knocked out, set him up to be hurt, set him up to be finished. We all know Spence can punch 25 victories, and I, be, uh, and, and I believe 22 have come by way of knockout. Uh, Spence is a bigger puncher in this fight. He's the bigger man, 5'9". I believe Sean is 5'7". But, I mean, physically... Uh, Earl is a bigger man. Uh, Earl has a great volume. Uh, I think he has the highest volume at 47. So the volume that Earl throws it, he can keep it up from 1 through 12. You know, throwing, you know, 50 to 60 punches, maybe sometimes even 70 punches around. He can keep that pace 1 through 12. He hasn't shown any any signs of slowing down in a fight. Um, same thing with Sean Porter in a way. I've seen, you know, his aggressive style, that's, you know, that's all day. Sean comes very well prepared as well. But um, I recently watched the fight with Adrian Broner that he had uh, a few years ago. And the punches did slow down a bit later later in the fight with um, Broner. So who knows what, what Sean Porter will come to the table. 
come September 28th, come this weekend. Um, I know Sean knows better to than to out try to box Earl because Earl is a better boxer. Uh, with Sean's last fight, which was a close fight, I didn't think he won the fight. I'm being completely honest with Ugas. He just didn't that boxing style that Sean Porter was trying to, you know, put out that game plan that they had to try to outbox Ugas. It just didn't work for me. Uh, he looked okay in that fight, but we all know Sean Porter is at his best when he's coming forward and he's making it. You know what I'm saying? He's making the fight rough. Um, trying to out, you know, trying to outbox Earl Spence is a recipe for disaster. So I don't think he should do that, man. Uh, but you know, Porter's rough and rugged, man. He has a will to win. He's tough as nails, which makes this a very entertaining fight because both of these guys are all action. But I predict a finish of Sean Porter by Earl Spence this weekend, man. I think Earl will shock a lot of people with this uh, as far as finishing Porter. You know, you got people saying he can't, you know, saying that he will knock Porter out. But, and then you got some people saying, you know, it may go 12. You know, Porter's very tough. But I think when Earl says he wants to do something, he's going to, you know what I'm saying, he's going to do it. Earl is going to do it. So I believe, you know, in the first half, the fight may be a little competitive. Uh, I think Sean will have moments here and there. But I think Earl sets his guys up. You know, those punches that you feel from, like, rounds one through five, if you can, you know what I'm saying, if you can take those punches from round one through five, the guys who have gone past five rounds with Earl, Chris Van Heerden, Kel Brook, those guys, um, I believe those shots will eventually start to wear on you, man, because Earl wears you down with those punches and then those later rounds, when he starts hitting you with those punches again, you really start to feel him because you've been broken down from those punches. Uh, I seen it with Mikey. Mikey had, you know, Mikey had a little more pep in the step from one through five, but from six through twelve, the whole fight was changed for Mikey. Mikey was more of going backwards, really just looking to defend himself. Um, I believe that he had been worn down by uh, Earl. Same thing with Chris Van Heerden. He had a little pep in his step. Um, he warmed down, man, and Van Heerden went down. We all know Earl can he can punch, man, and he can finish fights. I believe the same thing will happen in this fight with Sean Poole. I think Sean will walk into some shots that's going to get him hurt. Uh, he may stun Sean early, but I, I'm predicting maybe like a six, six maybe seven-round finish of Sean Poole. I think the first five rounds, Poole will take some, some punishment that he's never taken before, some damage. Um... To the body and to the head, that's gonna mentally and physically break him down. I think Earl is gonna get the finish. It's either the ref is gonna stop it, or Kenny Porter go wave that white flag. Sean Porter, this fight will take punishment. I'm gonna stand on that. I believe in that. I believe in Earl Spence not because he's from Dallas, but I believe in what he brings to the table. Earl Spence is the best welterweight in the world right now. I'm saying he's better than Sean Porter. I'm saying he's better than Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman. Uh, Danny Garcia and Terrence Crawford. I believe he's better than all of them. I believe this fight will show, will separate Earl from everybody else in the division. You know, I think, um, I think now Earl Spence is being hurt, so he gets these fights. I believe he he wins this weekend. He gets Pacquiao, beats Pacquiao. He becomes the IBF, WBC, and the W, excuse me, and the WBA champion. Then you go get that WBO bell from Terrence Crawford. That's the big fight that everybody wants to see. 2020, we got to make it happen. So, 
we're hoping to see all these big fights, man. But uh, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, it was a great, great episode, in my opinion. I'm glad that I'm back making these podcasts. It will be more. Uh, I'll do another podcast soon after the uh, Spence versus Spoiler fight. Like I said, man, it goes down this weekend, September, September 28th. Uh, be sure uh, to buy it if you can. Tune in, man. Tune in because it's a very good uh, card. You got Anthony Durrell versus David Benavides for the WBC middleweight belt. That's a great fight. That is a great fight. It can be the main event of any card, but it's the co-main event of a great main event fight. So be sure to tune in this weekend, man. Spence versus Portland for the IBF and the WBC welterweight world titles. Thank y'all.